This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I left the city, I've been browsed. Treading water that they drowned. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Dad FF. And we got a great show here for you. We have a phenomenal guest and we're thrilled to have him on here. We're going to introduce him in a minute. Um, we also just kicked off our Listener League number two. And, uh, you know, I'm in the group chat, guys. And I know Mung and John, you guys were in, in Listener League one with me. And I'm in the group chat just trying to organize it. And someone drops out and they're like, hey, Dad, we need you in this league. And I'm like, Ah, uh, another league, you know, like I've already done three startups this off season, you know, that I feel like that's the itch that we all have, right? We all tell ourselves no more, you know, we're not going to do any more. And then there it goes. Um, sorry about that. So it's just been crazy. So I have a draft starting tomorrow. I'm super excited about that. Um, Mung, co-host here all the time. Fantastic to see you again. What do you have going on right now? Hey, yeah, I just uh, did a few pieces on some free agency impacts uh, for Dynasty. And then I just wrote a piece on Mixon as well. I was actually undecided on him going into the offseason. So found some interesting stats on him. And, you know, of course, talking Dynasty trades on Twitter. You guys can find me at FFA underscore Mung, M-E-N-G. And John, you know, I'm bouncing around back and forth here because I am a dad and my kids obviously mess with all my equipment. I know you have that same kind of thing going on sometimes. It's great to have you back. You know, it's been a couple of weeks. I know things have been crazy uh, down there in Texas. You know, how you been? Yeah. Yeah, it has been a little crazy, but of course, it's good to be back here. And, uh, you know, of course, I got a fever. The only prescription is more rookie drafts, rookie fever kicking in. I actually just put out a thread on some of my favorite rookie sleepers right now that are that are looking like values early on so go check that out and yeah looking forward to the party tonight mike say normally the prescription for that fever would be more cowbell you know we talk about that's that. right that's right but tonight the prescription is a fantastic guest you know you guys know him from dynasty nerds you know him from from faith and fantasy football it's garrett price we're super excited to have him on the show tonight how you doing Dude, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Any opportunity to be able to come on, talk with uh, like-minded guys, and uh, get to talk a little bit about this uh, rookie class. I'm uh, I'm definitely a, a guy that has has caught that fever as well. Uh, every year, it's always like, hey, these veterans, they're they're more valuable. But then I see like the you know the 202 pick is available, and all of a sudden I want the 202. You know, so uh, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely a part of that squad. Unfortunately. It's a never-ending cycle, right? We tell ourselves every year. It's like what I was saying. I tell myself no more rookie or no more startup drafts, right? And right. then we tell ourselves, let's not fall trapped to the rookie fever. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be smart, you know? And then we get so excited. It's that, that shiny new toy. We got to jump in there and get it. Um, 
John did some great research here. He was looking for, you know, a mock draft where what we're going to do tonight is we're going to take this mock draft and pretend it's the NFL draft. It's three rounds. And then we're going to break down each one and let Garrett just hit you up with the knowledge. And Mung and John are going to give you guys, you know, what that draft pick would mean for the rest of the guys on that team. So, John, why don't you tell us a little bit about this mock draft, how you found it, and why you chose this one? Yeah, we, we went with one on Tankathon because it's pretty chalky. It basically represents, like, what it, what would the consensus people out there choose for their the team at that position? And there's some, let me tell you, there's some fun ones here, too, that we're all going to love talking about. So, yeah, it was basically pretty straightforward. There weren't any of those wild picks that you see, and it was, you know, without the trade. So we thought that would be a good one to go with. All right. Well, let's just jump right into it. I mean, you guys want to hear about rookies and we're going to hit you with it. So obviously, I mean, everyone says, and it it seems to be that this is what's going to happen, but Trevor Lawrence at the 101, you know, goes to Jacksonville. Obviously he's, we've been wanting him to come out for, you know, like we wish we could have had him sooner. You know, everybody's been talking about him in Debbie. We had Katie flowers on last week and she was gushing about him. Garrett, you know, is Trevor Lawrence. We all know he's going to be the 101 in every single rookie super flex draft. And we all know, I mean, he's, we've done three startups and he's gone in the first round of every single one of them. I mean, is it warranted? And is this the best prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck? I mean, is, is all the hype real? Definitely from a, from a prospect profile, it's, it's not difficult at all to make that argument that he is one of the best, if not the best that we've had in the past decade. Plus Uh, all the physical attributes are there. Uh, He's got the strong arm. He's a good athlete, uh, good decision maker for the most part. Turns the ball over a little bit, uh, more more than I would like to see him do, uh, but we we've seen him. He's got the size. He's got the pedigree. He's got the numbers. I mean, literally everything that you would want is right there. And and he was even able to do it at at a young age as a true freshman. So uh, I I think it's absolutely warranted. And people taking him in the first round, I, I would have a hard time doing it because I've seen him go over like Justin Herbert at times I've seen him go over like some of these guys that would be hard for me to personally do. But if I'm at like 112 and most of those quarterbacks have already gone, I probably would too. So I can't blame people for doing it. It's just going ahead of some of the younger, a little bit more established guys is hard, a hard pill for me to swallow, but I, but I totally understand it too. Yeah. I mean, my last draft, I was at 106. And I knew the guy really wanted Trevor Lawrence that early. So, I mean, he traded me the 204 and the 504, ended up coming out with, you know, Devontae Adams and the 104. You know what I mean? So it's like, nice. that's, that's a hefty price to pay. But I feel like sometimes startup season is you're scratching that itch and you don't have any 101s in your draft, you know, in your rookie drafts. So you really go after that 101 a little bit aggressively. Um, this year, I mean, people have tried really to try to bring Trevor Lawrence down. I mean, we're seeing videos from rivals at, what 2015 when he was like a high school freshman they're like look at these throws and i'm like all right like let's let's not try so hard here john and mung you know we're looking at obviously trevor lawrence goes to jacksonville what does that mean for the skill position players there i mean john what i know that's you know you've been talking about jacksonville and last week when we had pope and mark on we covered that extensively but talk to me about what that looks like yeah just to rip on this for a minute we all know he's going there so Go jump on those values now if you can. We were talking about getting Shark, you know, Shark Week for an early second, maybe um, Visca Chenault in the in the mid second. Dow Chenault, let him go past that at that point, right? We're working a lot of dad jokes here, Garrett. We, it's like a little forced, joke. but it's part of our shtick. So, um, but the other thing I was going to comment on here is Jacksonville just has the most 
cap space in the NFL. They're going to go out. They're going to go out and shop here. And so we have to keep an eye on this. Even in this mock draft alone, they got Pat Firemuth at tight end in the second, and they, they ended up getting Tylen Wallace in the third. And so they're already adding more young weapons around Trevor, which is exactly what I kind of expect them to do. Now, they need a cornerback and a DT as well, but they're going to get a lot of offensive weapons around him. And so uh, that's that's actually something to really keep an eye on here. And so you can't get too excited knowing that there's going to be some other players and some other mouths to feed in Jacksonville. Right. I mean, we've talked about them being a cautious buy because we don't know what's going on there. I mean, I kind of I, I trust the talent there a little bit. The other guy that's interesting in this situation, Mung, is James Robinson. A lot of dynasty owners are like, what do I do with James Robinson, right? I mean, he was an undrafted free agent, and now people are like, that makes him an instant sell. But I don't think they take anybody here or sign anyone. What are you thinking of James Robinson, if Trevor Lawrence there, and what that does for his value? Yeah, and I don't think that James Robinson is by any means a must-sell. But that being said, you know, John talked about all their draft capital this year. They've got five picks inside the top 100. So it's definitely not out of the question that they could draft a complimentary back. And he could, he'll still be the lead for the Jaguars, and that offense will get better with Lawrence. But the volume may not be what it was for him as a rookie. That's the only concern there. Absolutely. Garrett, anything to add to that before we move on to the number two pick? No, no, I'm I'm on board with with all of that. I uh, I, I do like James Robinson quite a bit, and and I agree. I, I do think that his his total volume might go down a, a little bit, or at least from a percentage standpoint of like the percentage of touches that he was getting. But the overall value might go up a little bit because I think they were only averaging under 18 rushes per game just because they're always behind by so much. So that could help compensate for that because it might be a little bit better offense. Well, yeah, and a, and a solid running back always makes it easier for that rookie quarterback. And at the two spot, this one was a little bit of a surprise. But in this particular mock, you know, Jets don't particularly have a running back, but they go with the quarterback, Zach Wilson, in this situation. Talk to me a little bit about Zach Wilson. I mean, from most mocks I've seen, this is this is a little bit of a stretch because almost everybody says fields. But talk to us a little bit about what you've seen from Zach Wilson on tape. Yeah, Zach Wilson's a nice quarterback. Uh I, I wouldn't say I'm quite as high as everyone else is on him, not because I think he's he's bad or not worthy of being a top five pick. I, I think he's a good quarterback, and that's what you're going to see when you watch him play is he does a lot of things very, very well. Uh, I wouldn't say that he necessarily has any elite traits. Uh, I don't think he's an elite athlete. I don't think he has uh, an elite arm down the field. I don't think he has elite accuracy, but he does all of those things very well. And when you have a, a well-rounded quarterback that can do most of the things that you're going to ask them to do, that usually lines up for success. Now, we are working with a smaller sample size, at least as far as his success has gone. You know, we really only have that one season. The year before, it was kind of a rough and up and down year. And we know that he's not necessarily playing against the SEC or the Big Ten or anything like that. So all of those things have to be considered. But whenever you have whenever you evaluate these players, you have to evaluate them as best as possible, independent from who they're playing against, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get to Trey Lance later. That's the same type of situation where, you know, it's, it's not the same type of competition. So we kind of have to, to figure out how to make that work. But, uh, but I, I think, I think Zach Wilson's a good quarterback. I'm not in love. I would take fields over him. Uh, but I, I understand the pick. So let's say theoretically this draft capital happens, right? So Zach Wilson, you know, we, we know he had a smaller sample size, but he goes second in the NFL draft. I mean, not the greatest, not the sexiest landing spot going to the Jets. 
But I mean, how high are we willing to take him in, in in rookie drafts? I mean, we're obviously almost every rookie draft. It's it's Lawrence, it's Fields, it's Harris, Chase, those guys. I mean, where would you be comfortable taking him if he gets this kind of draft capital? Yeah, I'm definitely taking him top five for sure, and maybe even top three. Uh, I, I think Lafleur going there as the offensive coordinator, obviously Salah's the new head coach, but Lafleur is a very good offensive coordinator. He was a former quarterback himself, so he understands how how the quarterback room works. He understands the thought process behind it, and in him uh, uh, and uh, Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel's, the three of them after their games, they would lock themselves in a room for hours upon hours upon hours, planning out all the nuances and details for the next week. So I think I think he's going to have Zach Wilson prepped and ready to go if this is the case yeah I mean now the rest of the guys here with the Jets I mean we all know when Adam Gase when when people leave the Jets and Adam Gase they all take off right so is this a similar situation for some of the Jets players now Adam Gase leaves instead of the players leaving I'm and Mung who are you looking here in the Jets I mean whose stock would rise the most given a quarterback comes to town you know as far as Zach Wilson yeah, I mean, obviously Denzel Mims is an immediate benefactor there, but I do think that the Jets are going to sign, you know, a free agent wide receiver, whether that's an Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay. I mean, the Jaguars are top, uh, are the top team in terms of cap space, but the Jets are right there at number two, so they've got a lot of money to play with, and I do think that they'll sign someone. So while I am buying Mims, I've seen, you know, some tweets out there that are like, oh man, he's going to get you know, 200 targets because there's nobody else there. Well, you know, it's February. So just hold the horses a little bit. Um, I am buying Mims, but I don't know that I would pay some of the prices that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the deepest free agent wide receiver classes that I can remember. I mean, not deepest, but I mean, the top end talent that's there with Robinson and Juju and Galladay. I mean, there are some really nice wide receivers. So, I mean, you're right. It is tough to buy, buy into some of the hype, but that's where you can get a discount, you know, with those things going on. Talking about wide receivers, we're going to move on to the three spot here. And since I'm an Eagles fan, I'm super happy that this isn't someone else. But Miami goes with Devontae Smith. So we got the Alabama connection. You know, if Tua's still the quarterback there, which I believe does happen. What have you seen from Devontae Smith? I mean, he lit it up this year um, where, you know, it's a late breakout age. You know, it's a there's a smaller frame. But everybody keeps saying, you know, the tape is phenomenal, Garrett. Yeah, and they're not wrong. The tape really is phenomenal. And I understand the late breakout age, but let's not forget that he was the guy that scored the game-winning touchdown in the national championship game as a true freshman. So, I mean, he he was able to get it done at that point. Uh, Alabama is an interesting spot just with the the plethora of talent that they've had. And I I understand the concept of breakout age is supposed to be independent from some of those things, and, and I get that. But uh, I'm definitely on board with Devonta Smith. Even last year with Jerry Judy and, and, and Ruggs there, he was really the top receiver on that team last year as a junior as well. So all of the things I'm seeing from a, a route running perspective, just the the nuances on the field, the, the ways that he's able to create separation. And for a guy with a slighter frame, I get the concern, but he was able to go up and get it in contested catch situations too. It's not like he was being bully balled you know, by other, other DBs. And, and this is a situation where we do have a guy in the SEC. We do have him in the best conference uh, for, for defensive players traditionally, uh, even going up against you know LSU as a good secondary and guys like that. And, and he just dominated. So I have no issue with this pick here. It's, it's early for a wide receiver in most drafts, but Devonta Smith warrants it, I think. 
And I love, you know, like I said, we had Katie Flowers on last week. And she said, you know, Jamar Chase sometimes, when you watch Devontae Adams separated the line, it's not done with his hands. It's done with his feet. It's done with yep. his nuance. And that's what Devontae Smith does, where Jamar Chase kind of uses more of his more of his hands and his upper body sometimes. Um, where do you have Devontae Smith in your wide receiver rankings as far as this rookie class? Yeah, so I'm working through my nerd score, which is basically – independent uh we, we kind of locked the scores before the nfl draft happened so we don't know the landing spot we don't know what the draft capital is it's it's really just independent of exactly what their film is so it can change afterward but that number will stay the same uh automatically so right now just based on the tape i actually have him a hair above chase okay. uh which i think that's probably a little bit of a hot take i didn't intentionally mean for it to that's just kind of how it all worked out for me and I got to apologize. When you know, we have guests on, we let them talk about what they're doing, you know, what they're doing on their podcast. And I mean, we're all so excited to have you on here. We didn't give you a oh, chance to talk about what you're doing at Dynasty Nerds. And what's oh, going I'm on. overrated. I don't need to talk about all that stuff. We're good. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll throw that in another time. Check out both podcasts, you know. But one thing, John and I were talking off stage. I mean, we're really excited with what you're doing at both. I mean, not just Dynasty Nerds. You know, everybody's in on that. It's the biggest podcast there is out there when it comes to Dynasty Fantasy Football. But but faith in fantasy football. I mean, John and I are, are both Christians, and that's something where, you know, especially with things that have gone on in Texas, I mean, John's yeah. been talking a lot about that recently. No, no, I, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Honestly, what, what it came down to for me was – when I started doing the fantasy football stuff and I started uh, getting in with dynasty nerds and, you know, eventually got to be part of the podcast, it, it wasn't something that I was looking to necessarily gain a following. It just, it just kind of happened. You know, I just like most people, I just really like fantasy football. I really like excuses to talk about it and it kind of just all fell in place. Uh, so with that though, I, I noticed that I, I started gaining a following. I started gaining a, a voice in this industry and for a while I felt like I was just kind of wasting it. Uh, and, and I wanted to make sure that I had an opportunity that if if what I say in my life is that my relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing to me, and then to everyone that watches all my fantasy football stuff, no one ever knew that, then is that really the most important thing to me, or is it just something that I say? You know, And so that's kind of where the, the inspiration for doing that show uh, came about. Now, like I said, it's been too long since I put out an episode, so uh, I do need to... Uh, to get on that. But, uh, but no, I appreciate you bringing that up, but it's something that uh, was a real passion of mine uh, to be able to get out there and, and, and share the good news of, of what Jesus has done, but also mesh it well within the, you know, all the things that we already know and love with fantasy football. Yeah. And that's something, I mean, it, it's, I had that same kind of calling and that's the first thing that's written in my bio is that's that's what's in there. And, and a lot of times you get people say, Hey, that's great. You know, and we, we want to reach out. And if you guys want you know, to talk about right. those things, not just football. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're here to do life together, you know, and For I know, sure. I know we're a football podcast, but I feel the same way. And I know John does as well. Yeah. I mean, real quick, I, I also just, I got a lot of respect for you throwing it out there like that. And what I was just going to add is we do have such a great community that we, yeah. that, that it's out there with fantasy football. I think that's what we love about it the most. And that's kind of like why I'm here and what we're always trying to do is support the community. And like you said, my, there's a lot of people out there that do need some help from the pandemic or from, the, the crazy snowpocalypse that happened in Texas. I'm, I'm calling it Snowvid 19 as well. <laughs> I, but I mean, right. that's We're the thing. Dad, dad jokes you know, all over the place. What, you know, what can we do, that. though, to, to help the community out there right there? You know, and maybe, Garrett, we talk about some of the ways that we can go reach out to people. But like Mike said, hit my DMs. You know, if I could pray for it, if there's anything I could do to support you, 
that's really half the reason why we're here. We just love talking about fantasy football while we're doing it. And the other half of the reason why you're here, John, is what time is it in, in Miami? It's two a time, baby. Two right. a time. So he gets yeah. his wide receiver here. Talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that we all kind of love the the reunion there. And we love how accurate Tua is. We love the routes that Devontae can run. So I, I, I do like this. The one thing I will say, and you know, if Garrett has any thoughts on this, the concern I have with Devonta Smith is actually this landing spot. I'm not convinced it's perfect for him because um, you just question, can he be the true alpha wide receiver one in that offense? There's no other clear wide receiver one in Miami. Can he step into that role? Uh, a lot of other analysts out there are saying he might be better as a complimentary type uh, possession receiver, wide receiver two in the offense. But to really invest like a really high rookie pick, you want him to be the guy. So that's the only question I have with this landing spot. Garrett, what do you think? Yeah, I, I can understand that. I think I think a lot of times it's it's easier to project unless a guy has, you know, unless a guy comes out and looks like Julio. You know, he's he's right, six foot right. three, he's two hundred some pounds, exactly. he's got the crazy speed. Like, I think it's safer for us as analysts to say, like, oh, he's probably more of a number two. So that way we kind of like cover our bases in case they don't hit. So, you know, like the only one last year that I think people like right off the bat were confident saying was like that kind of guy was was CeeDee Lamb. Like everybody else, like Judy was a two. Justin Jefferson was a two. Like everybody was like a really good two. But everybody's always kind of hesitant to be like, no, nah, he's going to be the guy. I think I think Devonta Smith has shown me enough that I do mm-hmm. think he can be the guy. I do think he can be the number one. Is it the most ideal landing spot? I know people like the the pairing with Tua, but you're right. It is not necessarily the most, you know, the, the, the most appealing landing spot. It's not going to be this high-flying offense. They're not going to be putting up stupid yards uh, through the air, but I think it's going to be a good, safe landing spot for him. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's, it's not one that's going to move the needle much for me off of, mm-hmm. like, my rookie – evaluation like he'll probably stay roughly in that same type of range if this were his spot right on yeah i mean mung so a lot of people haven't projected that miami is going to take a wide receiver whether it's smith whether it's chase you know we'll see what happens what does that do for the rest of the playmakers there i mean you know let's skip the running back position but let's look at the tight end wide receiver i mean does is it arrows up for gasecki Devontae parker preston williams coming back i mean talk to me a little bit about those guys I think it would really muddle the picture for everybody because like Garrett said, you know, Devontae Smith, there's all these arguments about his BMI, but you can't argue with just the pure production he had this past year. I mean, he was the go-to guy and I feel like he can be in the NFL level as well. And for that reason, you know, Parker kind of takes a hit. I think Gusecki's still fine. I mean, no one was projecting him to be a top five tight end necessarily, but still in that back end tight end one range. And You know, the question also is going to be the running back position because there's rumors they're interested in Aaron Jones. But personally, I think that the Dolphins could draft someone instead. They've got, you know, those five picks in the first three rounds. So really don't love anybody uh, in Miami from a target volume perspective other than Smith if he goes there. Our man Pope from the Smash Accept crew put, Smith is so pure, he's Ridley 2.0. I mean, I know he loves Ridley. I didn't pay him to do this to to help me transition better, but now we're at pick four with the Falcons, and the Falcons take Justin Fields, you know, to pair with with Julio Jones and with Calvin Ridley. Now, 
Garrett, we were talking about, you know, Fields potentially going at two, but if he goes to Atlanta, we're talking about, you know, he's not he's not up there at Lawrence, but it's more closer to a 1B than number two overall in Superflex, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing, amazing landing spot. You might you might not necessarily get the the rookie production because chances are, I think Matt Ryan, with the way his contract structured, unless they're able to figure out some deal, which would be tough to do, they don't they can't really cut him at this point. It's going to be tough to trade him. So my guess is it would probably be a sit one year behind Matt Ryan, and then the following year he would be the starter. But as far as like the offense, it's a great fit. I mean. Arthur Smith's there now, and I know that we kind of think of him more as like, you know, oh, he was Derrick Henry's offensive coordinator and, you know, that kind of stuff. But he was able to do a lot with Ryan Tannehill, who was not somebody that was really being talked about after his very lackluster time in Miami with, you know, the aforementioned Adam Gase. Uh, But he's done a lot for his career. We've seen the receivers really blossom there. Even Corey Davis really blossom as well. So I think it would be a great fit for Justin Fields. it's just when will he get to play is really the only question I have. But as far as Justin Fields as a prospect, I think I think a lot of the things are, are being very overblown about him right now. Uh, we, we, we saw how good he was this past season. It was really just, just one and a half bad games was really what happened. And it was a weird year and all the COVID stuff and you know, missing players and offensive linemen being out. Like Ohio State was missing quite a few offensive linemen towards the end of the season. And uh, – I, I have no real worries. He's got some of the best arm strength in the class. He makes good decisions for the most part, and he's definitely a plus athlete. Absolutely. Not a lot to talk about with there. I mean, the rest of the the other playmakers there, you know, that that's all systems go for those guys. Now let's talk about another, uh, like, landing spot here at the sixth pick overall in the NFL draft. My Eagles, you know, we messed it up. I was, I was screaming at the television to take DK Metcalf when they took, you know, our Sega Whiteside. I'm screaming that we're taking Jefferson when they take Rager. If they don't take Jamar Chase here and they go with someone else, I'm going to be furious because I love Jamar Chase. I gush about him all the time. But talk to me what about what you've seen on his tape. Yeah, I really like Jamar Chase as well. It's it was it's so hard to differentiate between Chase and, and Smith. I think they're both such fantastic prospects, but you hit it on the head earlier. Jamar Chase wins in very different ways than Devonta Smith. He's a much more physical player uh, than than Devonta Smith is. He's going to be able to uh, not, not just do some of the contested catch stuff, but he's going to be able to do a lot of the yards after the catch, breaking tackles. Uh, he's a smart player in his own right uh, as well. So uh, some of the things where he can – he tracks the ball really well. Like a lot of those deep plays, it sometimes you see receivers have a hard time kind of figuring out the right angles for it. He seems to always be in the right position at the right time, being able to make those kind of plays. High points were very strong hands at the catch point. So uh, there's not a lot of flaws in Jamar Chase's game either. Uh, as of right now, when I was talking about that, that nerd score, the score I have on both of these guys is higher than anyone I had in last year's class. Nice. So, and, and and that's the thing is we talk about that a lot on here is everyone loved Jefferson, but you forget the fact that Chase was the number one there, you know, and, and just put up phenomenal numbers. Um, Mung, we've talked a lot in the last couple of weeks about Jalen Hurts, you know, and what happens if he gets the job back again. And there's been a lot of rumor if, if they take a quarterback, but if they take Jamar Chase here, I mean, are we comfortable now moving Jalen Hurts into into that you know, QB one status, or are you more comfortable with him in that mid QB two? 
Uh, I mean, is it a cop-out to say, I don't know, because <laughs> I've seen a lot of strong opinions on Jalen Hurts, but we just haven't really seen him much at the NFL level. I mean, he filled in late last year for Wentz, but I mean, it's hard to say that he's going to be a bust or that he's going to be amazing. We just don't know yet. Of course, the one concern is as a passer, he didn't show quite that much uh, when he did get a chance last season. But, you know, I, I think that Hurts, from a rushing perspective, is going to do enough to make him a top 10 fantasy quarterback if he starts the whole year. The only question is uncertainty, right? Because we've also seen quarterbacks mocked at this spot. So a lot is really up in the air. Right now, where I have Hurts, I'm keeping him. And where I don't, I'm not really going out of my way to get him, if that makes sense. I'm hearing a lot of people talking about drafting a quarterback there. But if, if you draft a quarterback in the second round and then you trade your f- supposed franchise quarterback, I mean, you kind of – it gets into a dicey situation, and we'll see how that plays out. But we have a lot of other guys to cover, and, I mean, it's been fantastic content so far, so I want to keep it moving. Another quarterback goes here at pick seven. So, I mean, we're talking about four quarterbacks in the first seven picks, and we're talking Trey Lance goes to Detroit. Another interesting landing spot, you know, obviously behind Goff. Maybe they're not totally into Goff in this situation. But more importantly, what have you seen from Trey Lance? Trey Lance has it, man. Trey Lance is fun to watch. Uh, we're talking about a, a really, really good athlete. Uh, he's got the the build and frame. I mean, we got, he's a six foot two monster up there, in North Dakota. Uh, very, very strong arm. For the most part, made some really good decisions. the The no interception thing is a little bit deceiving. Uh, it, I mean, it's an incredible stat. Don't get me wrong. To go an entire season with no interceptions, you're doing something right. Uh, but there were definitely plenty of plays that could have resulted in interception that didn't we saw in the one game that he did his showcase game he did throw a pick uh this year but all of the tools are there from a developmental standpoint it seems like he's really in the same conversation as a lot of these Zach Wilson's Justin Fields so I don't think there's a huge gap between him and those two guys uh and and at this point he's actually my QB3 um like I said I'm a little bit lower on Zach Wilson but landing spot will determine a lot uh for for quarterback positions specifically but uh i i'm a, i'm on board with trey lance is, is he risky sure there's definitely risk involved anytime a guy didn't play you know in the sec but all of these quarterbacks are risk all of these guys it, it's the toughest position to evaluate because so much of that position is between the ears and and it's just really hard to judge that from our perspectives Moving on to the next pick, you know, it, there's a lot up in the air with Detroit, but we move to pick eight, another offensive skill player. If this happens, Twitter's going to erupt because this is one of the most popular guys on Twitter right now. I mean, I'm in a draft tomorrow with a guy named Dynasty Pitsy, and it's Kyle Pitts. You know, he said he wanted to trade up to the 101 and take him above Mahomes. I mean, you know, it, it, Kyle Pitts seems like the real deal. I mean, I'm seeing everyone just ready to tout him as the next big thing at the tight end position. And we got to remember, I mean, it takes tight ends a while to really, you know, get the position down. But Kyle Pitts seems to have the profile to be one of those top tier guys. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and we, he's he is, he's a wide receiver. I mean, yeah. for all intents and purposes, he's a wide receiver. But the crazy part is we, we know the build, we know the production, but he's actually not a bad blocker. That was one of the things that surprised me when I really went in and dug his tape. He's a, he's a willing blocker, and his technique isn't terrible. He could he could use a little weight, you know, that would help, you know, with NFL defensive ends and things like that. But he's actually not a bad blocker. So we're, we are talking about one of the most complete 
tight ends, one of the most dynamic tight ends that we've had come out in ever. Yeah, I mean, we're, we are, I'm hearing a lot of analysts having him, you know, as their tight end four already, you know, and ready to just push oh, wow. him into that. You know, to me, that seems a bit high already. Yeah. Mung, I know this is one guy that you're really big on. I mean, talk to us a little bit about uh, Kyle Pitts and the landing spot there in Carolina. Yeah, I, I love Pitts from what he's shown. And, you know, given the uncertainty at the tight end landscape currently, it's certainly not po- or not impossible that he would be a top five fantasy tight end sooner rather than later. But even then, I would pump the brakes because just so few rookie tight ends have produced. I mean, you got to go all the way back to really Gronk. And, you know, we've seen guys like Njoku and Ingram really get hyped up. And then, you know, even Eric Ebron, when he came out, he was super hyped up. But these guys just, it's hard for them to produce as a rookie. And then also, I don't love the Panthers landing spot just because I do think that if he were to go there, it's possible that he could lose that tight end eligibility, which is something that would make him you know, an advantage at that position. Um, so I'd be a little nervous taking him in the top five of Ricky Dress, as I've seen people mention, uh, but I think he's a perfect target still in that first round. Yeah, and I, I think there's some other tight ends I really love here we're going to talk about. Uh, but now we move to pick 19, so now we actually finally get some defensive players. I mean, if that really is how it starts out, I mean, this this rookie class is exciting. you know. And I know everyone was – the 2020 class is just absurd. Let's not compare the two. But there's a lot of interesting pieces here. And another one is Jalen Waddle going to Washington. You know, Washington's doesn't quite have the quarterback situation figured out, but they've had Terry McLaurin there. They've been searching for that wide receiver, too. Is Jalen Waddle a wide receiver two in this league, Garrett? I do like Jalen Waddle. I don't love this landing spot. I would like to see them because Terry McLaurin's already such an incredible deep threat in his own right. I'd like to see them get a bigger bodied, more physical wide receiver to kind of compliment. Uh, but but that being said, I have no problem with this. Jalen Waddle just on speed alone is going to be a first round guy, and he is more dynamic uh, than than Jay, than uh, Henry Ruggs was last year. That was one of my biggest issues with with Henry Ruggs was. He's a, he's a fast player, yes, and he's a decent route runner. But the problem is he doesn't really have any wiggle to his game. It's it's, it's straight line speed. Whereas Jalen Waddle, that's why he was so good in the return game is he does do uh, really well moving laterally, side to side, making guys miss. So it's not just the straight line speed, but it's also being dynamic in the open field that he has. I like it. I like it. The next one, I'm going to jump to you first, John, because at pick 23, the Jets take Kadarius Toney. Now, I, I do remember a couple of weeks ago, you and Chad Parsons kind of had it out with Kadarius Tony. And then, Garrett, I'm going to let you, you know, kind of decipher this. A lot of Twitter's very divided on him. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear a lot of people really are, are down on him after the Senior Bowl. A lot of people were all about him. John, I mean, is, does this validate what you were, th- what you were thinking? Yeah, this would, this would actually cause me to kind of pull him back down some. Um, and, and if I may, if I can sneak in as, as a co-host here, I thought you were going to ask me a little bit about Washington football team. I would actually love you. Would, you just to, wanted to talk about Antonio Gibson, yes, again. Because that's yes, what you. Thank it's you. Manda- mandatory. I'm, I'm trying to be on brand here, Mike. It's right? I thought I was going to get the segue, but now it's a little forced. But okay, I, no, I love I was, it because <laughs> my, <laughs> so, se- my segue was always uh, Fulgham forever after he had those three big wins. Yeah. You know, so you you take your Washington. Go I ahead. look for an opportunity to squeeze in something about Antonio Gibson every pod. But if you think about this. Now you have Jalen Waddle stretching the field, and you already and you have F one over here, and um, wow, it's going to open things up for Antonio Gibson. Um, it's going to fewer stacked boxes, and I really 
would love it for him. But yeah, I, I've started to cool. The quarterback, the quarterback's the key, right? I mean, Alex that is Smith, the key. That is Alex the key. Smith's average depth of pass broke the NFL record at six yards per attempt. I mean, it was like yeah, almost right. thrown behind the line of scrimmage. So that would be that'd be fun in that sense. But to try to get you back on track here, Mike, with Tony, you know, and I, I have to listen to our boy Chad Parsons here a little bit. And so I've started to kind of be more reasonable about Tony. I do like the talent, but man, you'd really have to be patient in this situation where he goes to the Jets, who just drafted Zach Wilson. That's a scenario where um, I, I don't know. I I don't. I just don't love the landing spot. There's some other landing spots for wide receivers here that I like better. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know that I would fight Garrett on it. <laughs> well, Garrett, what what's think, your, Garrett? What's yeah. your opinion on Tony? So I'm, I, I feel like Jekyll and Hyde whenever I think about and talk about Tony, uh, because I think he's probably the biggest boom bust prospect of the first round and a half, two round type guys that we're going to see. The, the speed and athleticism is absolutely there. And I think he's a good route runner. He, he does some good stuff with like his, like his, his spacing on his steps and, and his pace. Like he, he understands all of that really, really well. His hands are very questionable. Uh, like I, I, it was cool. I got to actually go and watch the senior bowl practices this year. And one of like, literally like one of his practices, he was dropping everything, like everything. And so they lined him up in the backfield and they threw him a pitch and he dropped the pitch. And I was like, what is happening? Like, I don't know if he just had the yips or what it was, uh, but he, that was definitely a concern for me. Um, and he's not the most physical player uh, at the catch point either. So you're going to, you're looking at probably a lower a dot guy. That's going to be running a lot of crossing routes, a lot of, a lot of slants and then making things happen after the catch. I think that's where he's going to be best suited. So if a team can utilize him in that way, I think he's going to be really, really good. But there's just there's so much room for air. So it's it's really how risky do you feel? Uh, do you want to go for like the crazy upside? Because he has it, but there's there's also a really deep basement. I like it. Someone in that similar thing with a crazy upside is we had Matt Hicks on. He was gushing about this guy. At pick 24, the Steelers go out and get a bell cow back with Najee Harris, and this would just be phenomenal to me. I mean, Garrett, Najee Harris looks the part of a three-down running back, goes to Pittsburgh. I mean, I feel like that would be in one of those guys that has potential to be an RB1 as a rookie. It's definitely a great landing spot. Absolutely. Uh, their, their line's not what it once was. We used to like know that, you know, it was all those big hog mollies up front and, you know, anybody could run behind that offensive line. And that's not the case anymore in, in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, but, but Najee Harris is a very, very good back. I don't drool over him like other analysts do. Like, I think he's a good back. I, I definitely think he's a good back. I don't think he's necessarily special. Uh, so, uh, like when I, when I did my nerd score, when we combined like the past two seasons, if we were combined all the, and these were all, once again, this is all before the draft. So not factoring in where they landed and all that kind of stuff. He ended up like seventh out of the past two classes. So there was a lot of guys in last year's class and, and even, you know, one guy in this class, he's actually my RB two in this class. So there's one guy I actually do have ahead of him. All of that being said though, with big Ben looking like he's going to come back, I think it's a really good fit. I think they're going to run the heck out of the football. It's going to be a much more balanced attack than it's been in past years. And I think he, I think you're absolutely right on volume and just the ability of the offense alone. He would be on that fringe RB one right as a rookie. 
Yeah, and he's almost as old as some of us. You know, we're going to go to our <laughs> at, at 23 years old. He's a lot closer to Mung, but I was just kind of giving that one of the older running backs to come out. Mung, I mean, he's in Pittsburgh now. You know, you put that all together. What kind of prospects are we looking at here for the rest of the skill position players and, and Harris himself? Yeah, I, I would love it for Harris. Um, to Garrett's point, you know, Pittsburgh, the line was still pretty good at pass protection, but in terms of run blocking, they were pretty awful. Uh, all that said, it does sound like they want Ben Roethlisberger back for at least one more year. And that's good news for Harris because he is that three down back. He can run and pass, ca- excuse me, pass, no, receive. Excuse yeah, me. We're, we're, there we go. <laughs> um, so he can run and catch the ball. And that's good because Ben Roethlisberger's deep ball has really waned in the last year or two. Um, so I do think that he would get a lot of targets out of that backfield. And, you know, whether or not Juju is back is going to impact the receivers. But I think in general, it's going to be good for Deontay Johnson as well. Because, again, you know, Chase Claypool is more of that deep target. And I do think that Deontay would soak up more of those short to intermediate targets if Juju were to leave. Another guy, same division. Last guy that we have a skill position going in the first round. But Rashad Bateman goes in the first down, which is the first round, which really solidifies things and goes to Baltimore. I mean, could Rashad Bateman be that that guy that we wanted Hollywood Brown to be? We wanted Hollywood Brown because he got that first round draft capital to be that guy with Lamar Jackson. Is Bateman have those kind of skills? I absolutely love Rashad Bateman. I think I think he's a fantastic wide receiver. Uh, when when you you were talking earlier about Devontae Adams and how he wins at the line of scrimmage. That's very much so how Rashad Bateman is. You even see him on run plays at times, setting guys up, and you see same same step pattern, same step pattern, same step pattern. And then he would do the same one on a passing route, and the guy would just assume it was a run because the last three were all runs. Like He just does a very good job at, at a lot of the little technical things. This was a bit of a down year. It was a weird season. But all that being said, it's just so hard to get excited about a wide receiver in Baltimore. Uh, at this point, I just haven't I haven't seen it happen. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but I think it's always going to be the tight ends first. And then, you know, whatever the scraps are, that's what the receivers get. So I love that he went in the first round, but it's tough to get excited about this spot. Well, and it's nice because Des Bryant came out on Twitter today and said just Baltimore wasn't the right landing spot for him. Like someone else is going to sign him. You know, I was like, all right, bro. Let's, let's, thanks for clearing that up. Um I think this might be the guy that you were saying you might have above Najee Harris, but pick four in the second round, Travis Etienne goes to Miami. Is uh, your guy? Surprisingly, it, it's not. Oh, it's, it's, it's actually Jav- not. Is it Javante? Uh, it's Javante. I actually oh, have nice. Javante uh, with my tape score. He ended up the highest of the three. Love it. Wow. Well, Javante Williams goes to Atlanta at pick 68 in the third round. So why don't you talk to both about both of them here a little bit and what you've seen? And, I mean, that's a great, great segue into both situations. Yeah. I mean, Miami's looking for a running back. I know, you know Mung loves Gaskins, but I feel like this you know gives them that home run threat. And Atlanta's definitely looking for a running back with Javante Williams. So talk a little bit about both of them. Yeah. So last year, uh, Travis Etienne was my highest guy on my board coming into this season. Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen, speaking about Etienne, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone be able to accelerate as quickly as he can. Going from zero to 60 is incredible. It's incredible. Now, the top end speed is still really impressive, but it's, it's the acceleration that's the difference maker for him. Uh, has pretty good contact balance overall. The the problem the problem that arises with Travis Etienne is 
he's not creative, which sounds sounds funny, but but hang with me. He's not very creative. So if we're if we're doing plays that are off, I don't want to say off schedule, but the the blocking doesn't pan out exactly like it was designed to do. He's a guy that's going to go with the play design no matter what. Adrian Peterson was very much so that way. Uh, Jonathan Taylor can be a little bit that way as well, where they're sticking with the play design almost no matter what. The problem is he's not a very physical back to break a ton of tackles when that kind of stuff happens. So I need him to go to a place with a good offensive line. If that does happen, he's a destroyer of angles. Like getting an angle on him is really, really tough. So if you can get those lines, like I would really personally love to see him go to San Francisco. I think if he goes to San Francisco and their outside zone scheme, I think that would be perfect for him. Miami, I think is a good spot. I don't think it's an amazing spot. Um, then going to Javante Williams, Javante Williams has a very, very good, well-rounded game. Uh, there's, there's really no obvious holes. He's good in pass protection. Uh, he's really good in the receiving game. He's got good hands over the middle, but he has excellent, excellent vision. Like he, he sees the things, he sees things a step or two ahead and he, he makes his decisions based on that. The only, the only thing that I can say with Javante, that's not, above average is probably a speed he's he's got very average speed overall but very good quickness in the hole good burst right off and i think i think he's going to be a very very good player overall so he actually ended up when all was said and done and i i watched i made sure to watch at least six games of each one of these guys uh and i think i'm probably closer to eight on each of them now but he uh he ended up with the second highest nerd score for a running back that I've given over the past two years. So it was, it was pretty crazy how it ended up all working out. That's exciting to me because, you know, a lot of people just talk about those top two running backs and then he kind of sometimes has that distant third and sure. I'm, I'm going to dive more into this because I'm excited. You know, we, we all love those running backs among you're kind of a resident offensive line guy. I mean, talk about both, you know, Miami and Atlanta offensive lines and, and what that would look like and, and what kind of prospect those guys could have year one. Yeah, I mean, what Garrett said, uh, the Niners would be obviously a dream landing spot. Uh, but again, I do think that the Dolphins are going to invest in their offensive line. Um, they've shown that, you know, they've embraced this rebuild over the last year or two. And I do think that they're going to add talent there. So I'm not too worried if he goes there. But like you said, I do like Gaskin. So I think that Etienne would be a committee back if he goes to Miami. I don't see him as a three-down workhorse. What, what do you think about that, Garrett? I, I'm really torn on that, to be honest. And, and I can understand that because he's not the biggest guy. You know, He's going to probably weigh in at around 205, if I had to guess, um, maybe even 200. So he, he's, not, he's not a guy that's going to be coming in there at 218, 225, and you know, really tipping the scales as this, this you know, you know, workhouse or workhouse, uh, workhorse, you know, between the tackles type guy. Um, between the workhorse and the brick house, you know, he's a, right. It's, it's a good <laughs> mixture of the two. Um, but, uh, you know, I, so I think he's probably more in that 10 to 12 carry a game, but then also utilizing the passing game a little bit more. So uh, I, I hate the, I shouldn't say hate. I don't like the Alvin Kamara comps because I think they win in very different ways. Um, but I understand from a role perspective that he would be placed in a similar type role as an Alvin Kamara. So because uh, Alvin Kamara is actually not that fast, um, he's just very shifty and he's got crazy contact balance. Whereas Travis Etienne is just, 
he's just going to accelerate past everybody. Um, but I think I think they could get a similar role where it's you know eight, ten, twelve carries a game, but we're looking at their their passing volume is what really puts them over the top. So we have one more running back, you know, and we talk about running backs getting those first three round draft capital means so much to them, you know, going in those first three rounds. And Kenneth Gainwell goes to Buffalo at pick 94. Um, this is someone that, you know, we've talked a little bit on the podcast. Not a lot of people have really hit on him. What are your thoughts on Gainwell? I mean, you know, the landing spot there, Buffalo's looking for that guy to come in there. You know, Singletary wasn't it. Moss showed some flashes here and there. I mean, is Gainwell a guy that could take over the role? It's a surprising spot for me uh, because I would think that with with Buffalo, they would get more of a true three-down grinder. Uh, but that being said, I really like Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, he's another one that's a little bit on the, on the thinner side, a little bit smaller. Um, but he actually has really good vision in the hole. But there, as you watch the 2019 Memphis State, they are more than willing to use him as a receiver. Like There are times they split him out as a receiver on the outside and utilize him. And he runs fairly decent routes, gets downfield and can make plays downfield catching the football. So he's going to be a little bit of that jack of all trades type of guy, but I think he's more viable between the tackles than most people have given credit for. He's kind of in this like weird tier by himself for me. So like it's the top three guys and then Kenneth Gainwell kind of almost gets his like own tier. And then it's like a tier of like seven or eight running backs that are all like, Maybe one of them will get third round draft capital, but I'm guessing most of them are day three guys. Well, we have a bunch of guys in that in that same tier in the wide receiver group. I mean, you know, Terrace Marshall goes to Detroit. And then, John, Rondale Moore, you know, you're our guy with Rondale Moore. I know you did a great article. He goes to New England. So talk to me a little bit about Rondale Moore and, you know, what you think about that landing spot. And then we'll kick it over to Garrett. Yeah, I, I love Rondale Moore. I love watching this guy lightning in a bottle and – I, I've just been thinking about ever since I saw this landing spot with New England. I'm not sure about. It. I don't love the landing spot, um, but you know, I think about Belichick really taking advantage of his players and 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 creating opportunities for them. He, I think, I could see him really working Rondell more um, on jet sweeps and getting uh, you know the routes to get him open. It almost kind of envisioned him taking over the Edelman role in New England. But I, I, I do love Rondale more, and I, I've kind of convinced myself now. He, it's almost to the point where he is um, – it doesn't matter where he, where he goes. The landing spot, I don't, I don't care. I'm going to keep him pretty high just because the upside to me is just off the charts, athletic freak. Uh, you know, he's, he's has battled injuries, but this guy pound for pound is the most athletic guy maybe in the entire rookie class in my opinion. What no, do you I'm, think, Gary? Do you like him? Yeah. I'm absolutely with you. I'm absolutely mm-hmm. with you. Uh, this is a guy that has fallen just because out of sight, out of mind. Like he just hasn't played a ton over the past two seasons. That's right. Uh, he played in a few games this year, but it still wasn't a lot. Uh, and so I think people just kind of forgot about him. But after his freshman season, this was a guy that people were putting even in super flex leagues as consideration of the number one overall guy in dynasty leagues. Like that was the type. And I get it. Like he was yeah. doing this as a freshman in yeah. the Big Ten. Like mm-hmm. I'm a Buckeyes fan. I you see it behind me. He destroyed he, the Buckeyes. He destroyed year, us. Yeah. He destroyed yeah. us. Like, and we have good secondary. Doesn't matter. Like he just yeah. wrecked yeah. us. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's so dynamic. This is a guy. I love Devonta. I love Jamar Chase. I love. I've already talked about how much I love Bateman. Not that big on Waddle, but he's fine. 
but we could easily see him end up being the top guy. Like it would not shock me. It would not shock me in the least. I understand the concerns. I understand he doesn't have the fit, the traditional build, but he's 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 electric, man. He is absolutely electric. So now we move on to Tennessee at pick fifty three. They kind of they go with Elijah Moore, and then at pick eighty six, they go with a tight end that I have. This is is this a class where we're talking about Kyle Pitts is that good that we're kind of overlooking some of these other tight ends? I mean, we have Pat. Freemuth. I'm, I'm bad at pronouncing stuff. Friermuth, yep. Friermuth, you know, going to Jacksonville at pick 45. I mean, there's some nice tight ends in this class that I feel like are getting put back down by the wayside because Kyle Pitts looks that good. You're absolutely right. Friermuth is a stud. Like preseason, there was some big time debates between all three of these guys as to who's the best tight end in the class. And everybody had very valid arguments for who the best was. Now, Kyle, Kyle Pitts played incredible this year he deserves to be in that upper echelon but let's not pretend like you know pat fryermuth and brevin jordan are just these these afterthoughts these booty prizes like they're they're good they're good uh and and brevin jordan uh you know pat fryermuth is going to be a very traditional tight end where he's going to be an inline blocker but he can also split up and be a stand-up why make plays things like that brevin jordan can make guys miss which I feel like I never say about tight ends, but he in the open field is a yak monster and he will absolutely shake you out of your shoes. Like it's, it's wild to see that out of that position. You just don't see it. Two more guys here. And I feel like we might be able to get a mock in here and have a little bit of fun at the end of this. Uh, Kyle Trask, you know, goes in that second round to San Francisco. I mean, uh, is this, you know, I know John, you looked into the quarterbacks here and, and Trask was one of those guys you were kind of looking at on the end. Is this a good landing spot? I mean, I feel like that's a good landing spot for anybody going there with to work with with Shanahan. But yeah. what did you see from Kyle Trask? Yeah, I I, I don't know if um, Garrett agrees with me or not. I just can't. I just haven't been able to get into Kyle Trask. I don't see the arm strength, uh, some of the um, just his ability to make plays, decision making process. I, just for me, I. I, I didn't feel it. I thought that some of the Florida playmakers like Pitts, like Tony, in some ways kind of made him look a little bit better. He had a lot of good protection from that Florida offensive line. And so for me, like he's, he's way beyond those top five guys. Um, and uh, I mean, yeah, he gets a chance to um, work with Shanahan and some electric playmakers. So you would, you could argue. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'd consider him a little bit higher now, but overall not very high on him. What do you, what do you think Garrett? Well, real quick, what happened to Mac Jones? Did Mac Jones, like, was it just an oversight and they didn't draft him? Or Hey, you know, I'm going to have to talk to these guys, but they did not take him. You know, and okay. I, thought Mac, I thought Mac Jones had a great senior bowl and kind of put himself in there showing his leadership yeah. skills and some of the other things he did well. Yeah, so, I'd be shocked I, if he I wasn't would, a first-rounder. I would much rather have Me him too. with Kyle Trask in this situation. Me, for sure, I feel like, for sure. You know, he, he's a great guy that, that could come in and, and contribute early or sit behind someone there in, in San Francisco. So Trask, I wasn't wild about John wasn't wild about where are you? I'll be honest. I have not watched a ton of Kyle Trask yet. So I don't want to speak out of school and say, you know, I love him or I hate him or anything like that in the games that I just watched casually from watching college football. I, I watched one game where I was impressed. I thought he made some good decisions. He got the ball out quick enough. Uh, and then I watched the bowl game 
And anything that could go wrong in that bowl game did go oh, wrong. He did yeah. not do himself any favors after Pitts was out, uh, after Tony was out. Like, after all those guys decided not to play, that probably should have been his indication. Like, he hey, should I should probably played. not yeah. play. Right. He, he, he went from, like, a fringe, like, first, second rounder to, like, hopefully he goes on day two now. But just to give our listeners a little bit of an idea here of, of what Superflex drafts might look like. Let's rattle one off here. Let's have some fun with it. You know, we all love to do these kind of things. Um, since I'm the host, I'm going to take the 101 because it's the easy way. Garrett, yeah. you're going to have the 102, John 103, and then Mung. It's a snake draft, so we're going to kind of rattle it out. I'm obviously taking Trevor Lawrence with the 101. Try to keep these quick. If you have any comments on why you take them, that's fine too. Garrett, 102 and a Superflex. Uh, give me Justin Fields. I, I still, I still believe in that guy. So I'm, I'm going to go Justin Fields at two. All right, John, you can't take Antonio Gibson, but who are you taking at 103 here? All right. In this scenario, I would actually go with Najee Harris as the, as the 103 with that landing spot with Pittsburgh. I like it. Yeah. I mean, if you guys are going to let me get Jamar Chase, uh, I'll be taking him in as many rookie drafts as I can this year. Um, I, I wouldn't love it if he went to Philadelphia, but you know I believe in the talent. Uh, so give me Chase and then Abed Turn. That's a tough one for me. Um, it depends on the league because if quarterbacks don't drop in your league, I would probably wait. But I'm actually – you guys didn't let me talk about him, but if Kyle Trask goes to the Niners, I'm taking Trask. Because we've seen we've seen what Kyle Shanahan can do in that system. And Trask looked lost in that game, but he had Pitts and Tony kind of carry him out of some bad decisions. If he's gonna have George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel behind the line of scrimmage on those screens, you know, give me Trask. He doesn't need to do a whole lot except just manage that game and he has a better deep ball than Jimmy Garoppolo. Hey, when Mung speaks, I listen, you know, and I, I know he was sitting back there and he held on to that. He was like, here, hold my beer. I'm going in with Trask. So I like it. You know, you got to like your guys here at this point. Uh, John, what do you have here? All right. So I think we, we were saying this is a uh, tight end premium, right? Tight end premium of league. Who doesn't of play it tight end premium? It's super flex. It's tight end All right. premium. It's 0.25 so PPC. It's literally yeah. everything. Okay. Yeah, and so in, in our listener league was a tight end premium league, and so for these guys too. I, I actually – this might be a little hot takey too, but I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts here because yeah. uh, while I do think it could be uh, – take a little time for him to develop um, as a rookie tight end, I really think this guy has incredible talent. And, you know, a couple of years down the, the road, he, he looks like he could be a top five tight end or, or better. This is a, if this is a rookie draft, I'm loving the guys that are falling here. Yeah, yeah this is throwing me off a little bit. <laughs> right? <laughs> I yeah the thought I thought this was going to be easy choice for me and now I got now I got some decisions to make. There, there's uh, three guys right here and you're going to take my guy. So I'm. Uh, I think at this point I, I'm definitely a guy that, uh, I, in my opinion, I adequately value him. But to most people, I overvalue quarterbacks uh, in Superflex. So I'm going to take Zach Zach Wilson here. Uh, I think there's just too much value uh, to pass up at 107. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, I'm going to double up here. I'm going to take Trey Lance because there's no cheaper time to get your quarterback than in a rookie super a rookie draft for your super flex. Um, ultimately, you know, there's a couple other guys here, but positional scarcity. I, I'm a big fan of Travis Etienne. You know, I know you were talking about Javante a little bit, but I'm, I'm jumping in and I'm taking my running back here. I don't blame you one bit. Etienne's a great pick here. Uh, and, and now I have to decide between Devonta Smith, who I love, 
and and uh, Javante Williams, who I love this, as well. This is fun, right? Like the, people are worried about this class not having the same kind of depth. It does, you know. It does. It, it, it is a fantastic class again. Uh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Javante uh, because the just there's just no running backs to go around. It's tough out there, so I'll, I'll go Javante. And this is the part where Mung trades up to get Devontae Smith, but we're not going to allow that happen. John, are you taking Devontae Smith? Or are you going a different route? That is who I uh, actually do have next on my board. So I won't mix it up too much here. And I would take Devontae Smith there. I, like yeah, that's, I mean, again, look at, look at this. Like at the end of the first round almost, and I'm, I'm getting them there. So that's solid depth for the class. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love it. Double it up here. Double tap here for us. You're on mute. You, he got, you stole. He got so excited on the. He got so excited with with Trask and and then the Devonte Smith thing. <laughs> He's just like, I got to mute this. I'm too excited. Yeah, and here's, I mean, talking about Superflex, we didn't talk about Mac Jones much, but I think this mock did have him going to the Patriots. Oh, okay, and, and if so, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case here, uh, they do have a pretty solid offensive line. Um, maybe he starts, maybe he sits for a few games, but I do think that's a great spot because again, they got a lot of cap space. I think they'll be adding some impact pieces. So I'll go with Mac Jones and Superflex. Mm -hmm. You got one more. And then, you know, Terrace Marshall to Detroit here. I like him a lot. Uh, he's basically replacing kind of that Kenny Galladay role. I think they're very similar uh, comps to an extent that big bodied downfield receiver. And I think, you know, Jared Goff probably isn't going to do too much with him, but, uh, you know, the future quarterback, I, I do think that he could find success. John, your guy fell. Yeah, I, I think so. I would, if I was on the clock right here, I would still be considering Jalen Waddle, but I'm going to stay on brand for this particular pod and I'm going to go with Rondale Moore. It's that smash except, you know, it's that rookie fever, rookie John. All right, Garrett. Uh, Man, there's so many guys I want. I know, uh, right? We should do three rounds, but <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. Um, give me Brevin Jordan. I I really like Brevin Jordan. Jordan. I think that's a good fit in Tennessee. Very similar style player to Johnu Smith. Little slightly undersized guy. Good athlete. I think he'd be a good fit there. Yeah, and I mean, I don't love the the landing spot, but I love being able to get a, a talent like Jalen Waddle at this point. I mean, this is a great class. If you guys can get in on this rookie draft, this is, you know, we're not just talking about rookie fever. This class has talent. So, um, Garrett, this has been a blast. You know, this is the the first episode as a host that I've let go over an hour. You know, we've just had so much fun with it. We're just like, I usually just cut it off and I'm like, we're done. Definitely. But, Shut up, everybody. <laughs> I just take the headphones off and walk away. But, um Thank you, man. It's been a, a blast, and, and, you know, you definitely didn't disappoint. Uh, why don't you tell listeners where they can find you and, and some things you got going on right now? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Dynasty Price. Uh, basically, all my work, uh, with the exception of the faith and fantasy football uh, stuff, is over at Dynasty Nerds. Uh, I've been blessed to be part of that podcast for two years now, and uh, we've just got some awesome stuff that we've been working on. Uh, the, the GM tool, if, if you're not familiar with it, it's basically it's an opportunity for you to put all of your teams in. If you're like me, I'm in like 17 leagues. So, you know, you can put all your leagues in. It, it analyzes them, tells you where you're strong, where you're weak, but it also tells you the rest of your league where they're strong and weak. And 
there's just a lot of really cool things in there. It tells you your player shares and uh, the trade calculator and, and all kinds of fun stuff. And we've got tons of new, new features that we're going to be adding within the next two or three months here as well. So uh, I think that's, that's the main stuff we got going on. Yeah. You got to check that stuff out. Mung, what's going on at fan tracks, man. Yeah. Like I said, uh, my Joe Mixon piece just dropped. So make sure to check that out, whether you love them or hate them. Um, a lot more is going to be happening in free agency coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And, of course, on Twitter, at FFA underscore Mung, M-E-N-G. And, John, it's been great. I mean, I, I had this void in my heart. I've been missing you. It's been a couple of weeks. You know, it's been it's been the three of us week in and week out, and I, I missed you. You know, it, I have, it, was, it was tough for me, but great to have you back. You know, what's going on with you? No, it's so good to be back. You make me tear up here a little bit. No, I <laughs> love the pod. Garrett, loved having you. Loved every minute of this. And, yeah, I could have just kept going there. Uh, but you can find me right now at dynasty underscore trades on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm going by rookie fever, John, if you could refer to me as rookie fever, John, nice. I appreciate it. He, he was yeah. playoff John, you know, yeah. during the, the playoffs. There you, you go. Know, it's a clear transition, but yeah. And, and that's it. I'm putting out some, some articles and, and some threads on Twitter on the rookie class. Definitely. Uh, we'll continue to do that. And mix it up with you guys. Hit me on the DMs. Like I said earlier, was about fantasy football, but it's about anything else. And uh, de- definitely, Garrett, wanted to thank you again. And we'll be checking out those future uh, episodes of Faith and Fantasy Football as well. I hey, John, appreciate it, man. John, you have the cooler nicknames. You know, you got you got Rookie Fever John. You got Playoff John. I was Bi-Week Mike, but I said <laughs> Bye Mike, and my son started. And then I was Prison Mike. Prison Mike, you know what I mean? yeah. Like, you know, yeah, trying you to work put on, on that, that alter ego. So, I mean, just call me dad. You know, I'm the dynasty dad. You can, find dad. Me on, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at dynasty underscore dad or dynasty underscore dad FF. Thanks again for tuning into the smash except podcast and enjoy the process. Boom.